From the 305 to the 303, this is TCSP. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Brian and the Cavalry Serious Band. Welcome to the Casually Serious Podcast. Today, we speak about the greatest guest comedy shows of all time. Holy wow. shnikes, Batman. <laughs> Hey, a, that's a lot of people. Hey, can we can we go to the do the? <laughs> yeah. Thank you. That's better. God, you know, hey, listen, listen, this is the problem. All right, look, we don't have a lot of money. the The very few sponsors we had, the very first few episodes we had, you know, the 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 the, the smoking, uh, the cannabis mouthpiece, all those people, they're off board. They're off board simply because they're they just blew the hell up, you know. And it's not like they have any less feelings for us but that, that we just basically all we can afford is some of these interns to help us out and um we apologize for the close-up none of us have uh, had our bure pads today we have not dealt with any stridex uh, products anything like that so I, we apologize for the close-ups but anyway ken man the casually serious podcast how the hell are you doing today man Man, this is this is a great week. I mean, I'm sure everybody's already noticing that we're up here with our prospective football teams behind us because it was NFL draft week last Thursday and over the weekend. And man, I'm sorry. I know we're talking about sketch comedy today, but Bob and I are huge, huge football fans, and we're both very proud of our teams and what they did this week. So that's a that's a little interlude into this show. Is did you hear draft. that? I'm... Somebody just tied in the Dallas Cowboys and the Miami Dolphins to a comedy joke. I don't know how you didn't hear that. As soon as you said it, like at least 13 people that that uh, that are watching said that. They joked it's... about our teams. There could be a tie-in there, if I'm being honest. We know this. There, there definitely could, and we're, we're fine. We're fine with it. We're, we're, we're perfectly good with this unapologetic fans, regardless of outcomes, decisions, or drafts, even that though this was a truth. good one for the Dolphins. It, you know what, man? I know for a fact. Uh, I know for a fact that it was. Um, there's only a couple teams that I pay attention to. I, I I'm forced to pay attention to the Miami Dolphin picks because I'm from Miami and and friends like you, uh, Parsons, a bunch of people, they let me know what's going on, and it's a good thing. I, you know, I want my friends to be happy and and whatnot, unless they are friends of mine that are uh, uh, Eagles fans, Giants fans, or uh, Washington football team fans. Everybody else. Have at it, man. I'm glad you got uh, what you needed. Was your first-round pick what you thought your first-round pick was going to be? Yeah, I mean, I was actually happy with any of those receivers that were going in the top, you know, and whether we got Pitts, Waddle, Chase, uh, Devontae, I was good with any of them. And it seems that we got the one that, according to our coaching staff and, and uh, you know, front office, that they had number one, regardless, if it, no matter if all four were there, which I doubt because I think they would have taken Pitts. But – Definitely Waddle. I'm thrilled with fastest guy in the draft. So that's not even an opinion. That's a fact. So you get the fastest guy straight away. Doesn't always mean it's going to be results, but 
Uh, this guy's produced at a high level at Alabama, so super psyched for him. Definitely love what they did trading back as well and getting the picks for next year. Um, just everything the organization has been doing over the past couple years since uh, Flores has taken over has been spectacular. And as a Dolphin fan, I'm sorry. I'm just so excited because we've just had such mediocrity for so long. It's been so stagnant with just terrible drafts, which just doom an organization. And, and it's been too long. And finally, we've got a vision and the fans can see it. It's spectacular. It's incredible what they're doing. They're doing a rebuild very similar to what the Buffalo Bills are doing. I have been saying for the past few years, the Dolphins are like a year or two behind the Buffalo Bills. And Bills are going to be spectacular and even better yeah, this coming season. And they're building right. And that, that's the way you need to build a football team in today's NFL. I see the Dolphins doing the same as them. And now the Jets have the right kind of staff the way that they drafted as well. And their coach and Robert Saleh that I think they're also doing the AFC East, man. You better watch out. This is these things are changing in that in that division, and it's not about the Patriots anymore. That's the crazy part. Well, I will go ahead and champion my Cowboys for doing uh, not only addressing the need for defense with the 28th ranked defense last year, but for the first time in Dallas Cowboys history, picking defense for all of their first six picks. It's oh, never wow. happened before, and we took all defense this draft pretty much Needed give it. or take uh, uh, maybe we had a i think we got a a wide receiver maybe maybe someone else that we picked that was not a defense but literally all defense and yeah. uh so i applaud jerry uh will all uh steven everybody in the front office for not um for not only doing what they needed to do uh but you know at least showing the fans that you're willing to commit i think the fact that we have dan quinn as a defensive coordinator now he's able to step back out of a head coach thing and go back into his defensive coordinator uh realm i think is going to be great for him and i think this year a non-covid year uh the cowboy fan base will be able to evaluate uh mike mccarthy in a much uh, a much more uh realistic light i think last year was a wash for a lot of people we had 22 injuries at one point last year so um i'm ready to see us do some great things the young players always come in and make the old players obsolete because uh players like micah parsons our first round pick are running a uh, I think he's 235. He runs a 4-3-40 as a linebacker. They were ready to put him on punt return until he decided to bow out of last season. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different players and a lot of different kind of player types coming into the league right now. It's amazing. Really, really happy. You're happy. I'm happy. But uh, let's dive into some of these uh, sketch sketch comedy shows, man. Do you have any memories in particular of uh, of watching them, or are they just something that you wind up hearing in the background and then getting uh, getting a hold of? Well, I think it's like a lot of comedy and it's very subjective. And these kind of shows in particular, I think, really go to that because even within the show, you can have certain sketches that are hilarious. I mean, you're just laughing so hard that as they go into the next one, you still have that smile on your face and your cheeks are all stuck up like that because you're laughing so hard from that first one. And you're going into the next one and you got a big smile, but you're not laughing yet. And you're kind of like, where's this one going? And and it's just not good. So sketch comedy, I think, is just, and to me, you know, maybe the next person thought that was funny, but it, it, it is very subjective. So it's hard to, to rate this kind of stuff. But um, obviously, SNL had always been there. It's such a, it's been around so long. I think that's probably my first introduction to really knowing that that's what that show was all about. So, um, and what they were doing was just individual sketches. And um, so that's, that's certainly where I would go with it first. And then, you know, back looking at uh, In Living Color, Mad TV, all those kind of shows that we started to watch as well were great. And until the greatest of, of all time came along. And, you know, we, we're going to talk about that one soon. So, 
We're going to talk about almost all of them, to be quite honest. Uh, <laughs> I mean, to so, be yeah, the, well, all the ones that I, th I you know, it's crazy. Well, like we, I think said, you know, <laughs> we, we think they are amazing. And then I went ahead and did a bunch of research on what other people thought the top 50, 100 were. And ours they were, were on par with all of them. So, uh, you know, there's there's a, there's also a lot of there's like pr probably 10 that I've never heard of. And we might get into those later. But uh, let's start off with the one that for myself personally, when little Bobby was plopped down in front of a television as a kid, um, started watching this show and it changed his life. So. This is not in any particular order. We're not, this is sort of chronological, but not really. So don't get all caught up in the order. Get caught up in the comedy. So I don't think there's any possible way for anybody in the world to talk about sketch comedy without talking about Carol Burnett. Um, the Carol Burnett show is, it was just something that I remember laughing at until I cried as a kid, uh, starring... Uh, Carol Burnett, Harvey Corrin, Corman, sorry, Vicki Lawrence, uh, Tim Conway, and Lyle Wagner, uh, with that voice, by the way, and um, and everyone remembers the intro with the mop, you know, it's just, it was something that I just remember, uh, I don't know if it was a post-dinner or pre-dinner show, I, I can never get those memories correct, but it didn't matter, I remember watching it, I remember her coming downstairs with the, with the, uh, with the drapes on her shoulders. And I guess it was a gone with the wind sort of parody. I don't really remember the theme of it, but I remember just so much stuff and her huge maniacal face. And it was, she was such a beautiful figure to me. Um, and then Vicki Lawrence uh, and obviously their, their skit, the family, which eventually turned um, into mama's family, which was actually, we highlighted last week. Right. Um, but it was just, it was amazing to see these, these folks and do what they did. And no matter what, they always found a way to break each other up on the set. It was really the first time I remember seeing uh, actors purposely try and screw each other up with their lines and laugh. And Carol Burnett will always have a place in my heart forever. It's the one I remember first. It was definitely a post-dinner show because I remember watching this show at the end of the night. This would always be the show awesome. we also watch at that time. And I loved it as well. I mean, honestly, I know a plot of that comedy was going over my head at that age, but Carol sold it in such a way that she was just so appealing to just anybody that was going to stop and watch and want to laugh just by her antics and the way and her facial expressions. They were incredible. The bug eyes, the whatever they would, she would do stuff that you could have the volume down and you'd laugh. So I think that was the introduction to that type of comedy for me at a young age where I was able to see what they were doing with these short skits and really understand what it took to, to do that kind of work. And it really does take an incredible, incredible actor, actress to do this work. And, and she just, she was perfect for it. And, and even when she was hosting in the beginning, before she would start the, the skits, you got to see her, her as a real person. And that's what made this show even better is that you did see the real person behind the, the actress that was about to go and just portray all these different roles and, and do it absolutely incredibly and, and hilariously more than anything else. What's amazing is, um, and you were dead right about everything you just said, man, I cannot, I cannot disagree with you on any of that, man. Um, and what you said also, the beginning, her monologue was something, besides her doing the Tarzan yell, <laughs> which I'm not even going to try and freaking replicate. She had herself a pair of pipes that could do that because she was yelling that, but I remember one time in particular, she asked for an audience member that asked her to do it. And she asked her her name and the, and the lady said, Teresa Renteria. And 
Carol Burnett went back and forth on about, oh, your name rhymes, Teresa Renteria. And you know what's funny is I think that lady became popular simply because of that monologue that she's just said her name. If you Google it, you'll definitely find That's it. Funny. But it was one of those weird things. She just she had amazing interaction with the studio audience, and it was just she did. it was so pure and organic, and it never seemed like set up in any way. And, I forgot about the Tarzan yell. The Tarzan yell was great. Oh, man. Yeah, it was almost like after a while, like they would ask and she'd be like, no, nah, I'm good. And then like two nights later, you know, which would be, I guess, two weeks later, um, she would go ahead and do it. And then everyone would be like, oh, but you did it. I don't, I don't really even know what the what the uh, what the origin of that was, if I'm being honest. But, um, you know, we didn't promise you a rose garden here, man. Just some fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, we are we are we are we are loving sketch comedy, man. Sketch comedy does some things to us um that 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 this kind of the same thing that i believe stand-up comedy does and it's really not a coincidence right. that coincidence that most of those things are tied together especially with the stars that do it right. um not so much with this show though so this next particular uh, uh sketch comedy show was, was something that you didn't always see live So, Kenman, I'll, I'll let you run with this, but let me go ahead and list some of the actors. I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy, The Great Gonzo, Fozzie Bear, Swedish Chef, which is probably a little bit, well, never mind, Scooter, Statler and Waldorf, Dr. Bunsen Honeydew, and, of course, me, 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 Beaker. So uh, let, let's hear what you have to say about the, the Muppet Show, man. That counts as sketch comedy, dude. If anybody who says it doesn't, man, they're crazy. Animal! I animal, just love Animal. That was my boy right there. Please. I mean, Muppet Show is great because this is another one of those shows where as a child, you're in front of that because you're drawn to these Muppets, which are incredible. But they're still doing this comedy that a lot of it's going over my head. And I know this because I've watched it after. You know, in college, I went back and watched all these again where I understood things a little better. But as a kid, when these things were first coming out, you know, my parents were watching it and they were laughing. And I probably just laughed because they were laughing. And, you know, I, but I don't think I got a lot of it. But this was great comedy here. And it was the, the, the mm -hmm. way that they kind of laid this out. Obviously, it was a sketch setup. Everything was that way. But the guests that would come in a lot of times wouldn't really know what was going to happen. And they talked a lot about this, that the guests after the show were just like, wow, they, they really make you feel unprepared and kind of throw you out there because they want that. And you would just see it in the kind of the way that they would react and the stuff they were doing. But it didn't matter because it's all about the Muppets. And then here is this human on stage with these Muppets. And it was just uh, it was just something that you'd never seen before. So as a kid, drawn to it right away. But even beyond that, watching the shows, the movies, everything with the Muppets was was spectacular. I probably had at least six or seven stuffed animals of these creatures. Definitely lots of structures of drum sets with animal behind it. Um, I, I love this. I, the Muppets were absolutely spectacular. Be one of my absolute favorite shows of all time. Muppets uh, have a very, very, very big place in my heart, man. Matter of fact, the animal drum set was the first drum set I ever owned. And point of fact, the uh, fabulous uh, band leader of the person who does our intro, Dr. Brian, he actually helped me destroy that drum set oh. in my bedroom at one point. Um, and it was a great thing. We did it, I think, to Twisted Sister or something like nice. that. Nice. A super metal moment. I love it. I love it. However, to the set. You, the Muppets were awesome, and I and I think that I think what Henson and everyone who was involved in that show was trying to do was make sure 
that the humans were, like you said, very uncomfortable and unprepared so that it, so everyone knew that it was the Muppets world. It really is what made you engrossed in all of it. It made you feel as a human that you had really nothing to do with these freaking creatures. Like right. they are going to exist and you are just going to watch them exist. Uh, and it was a beautiful thing. It was a, it was a cool contrast to kind of have the human be out of place. Right. And they did it in such a way that you were behind the scenes watching them put on a show. So it wasn't right. like you were really in the audience in this show. You were behind the scenes. You were watching them run around backstage and try to get people ready. And where's this one? And where's that one? And where are the chickens? And this thing's running around. And it was just mayhem always back there. And and that dynamic would play out in each show as well, which was it's brilliant. I mean, the show honestly was brilliant. It was at a perfect time. It worked great. I mean, honestly, the show could be made today. They, they could work this out. I know they tried this a few years ago. I watched it. Um, they did an okay job with it. They only they almost made it 30 Rock-ish, um, but it was, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It, 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 they could have done a little better with it, I think, at the end of the day. But it's, uh, it's just, the Muppets are awesome. But it's all about the writing, you know. That's really what it's going to come down to and, and how you can make it funny. And, and ever since then, which is we're talking about the 70s, uh, they've they found a way even back then to sort of uh, and even in the movies, the Muppet movies and stuff like that, to draw adults in to be able to want to watch these movies because it was not ever really just a child thing. It was a very much a human thing. And if you were an adult, you were able to find those things like you're saying they flew over your head as a kid. But once you were an adult, you were like, damn, they were saying some stuff, man. And right. and they were they were showing some things that hopefully subconsciously sunk into people. And uh, it was a wholesome message, really, most of the time, other than the extremely abusive relationship between Miss Piggy and Kermit the Friggin' Frog. <laughs> I don't know how anybody doesn't talk about that, but you know what? We're not going to get controversial on this show here, man. My dad loved Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy was his love. He did a, I don't know, two, two three thousand piece puzzle. It was huge. It took up our entire, entire dining room table as a kid. It was she, she he was all about Miss Piggy. Absolutely. It was kind of weird, actually, to be honest with you. My Aunt Rhonda was as well. She lived about three houses down from us growing up in Kendall, and she had it all over. She had Miss Piggy all over the place, man. Weird, weird. It was definitely crazy. Uh, speaking of crazy, there are some kinds of sketch comedy shows from that, that sort of started it all. And really, the shows that we're highlighting today, they have a very specific meaning to them. They did something. They started a movement. They contributed to the future of comedy from their show forward. And this one definitely, whether you understood it or not, definitely did that for, for comedy in America and across the poem. Monty Python's Flying Circus. Um, I don't re I don't remember a hell of a lot of skits from this show. I remember my stepfather Tom saying, "Listen, if you think so and so is cool, look at this." And and that applied to music, and it also applied to comedy, comedy albums, sketch comedy. He made me sit down and watch a lot of Monty Python's Flying Circus, and that wasn't a problem because I was already sort of in tune to the dry and crass humor of British yes. humor by that time, anyway. But by the time I started watching Monty Python, it was a really crazy contrast to what was going on uh, in American sketch comedy. Um, not sure if anybody knows the names of them, but let's roll with them. John Cleese, Terry Gilliam, Graham Chapman, Eric Idle, and Michael Palin. And those are some actors that went on to do a lot more uh, in American cinema, in American uh, comedy as well. Um, uh, Rat Race 
uh, to name a few. But there's a lot of really great stuff that Monty Python actually wound up inspiring afterwards because they just didn't really didn't care. Uh, one skit in particular was this one. Um, this parrot has ceased to be where a, uh, a person uh, returns a parrot to a pet store uh, after it had died and uh and 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 or actually had been sold one sorry and can't, comes back and tries to basically return it and uh as they say hilarity ensues but monty python did do a lot of groundbreaking stuff and since it was english humor they were allowed to say and do some shit that you did not see in america so if you had pbs uh or 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 any sort of british broadcasting channel you were able to watch monty python and uh see some naughty bits possibly some braziers and garter belts which were all the rage when i was a young man um, what about you, Kenny? Did you, uh, did you, did you like, uh, the Monty Python flying circus at all? I like the Braziers. I mean, as a kid, <laughs> as a kid, honestly, that dry, as you mentioned, British humor was not my thing. I didn't get it. It wasn't funny. Um, there were things that they would do that was, would be funny just cause it was the action of that was going on, on, on screen. And I would laugh and I tried to get it and get into it, but I did not it wasn't until I got a little bit older and I actually started watching uh, Monty Python movies. It's Holy Grail, all these movies. And I started, these things were hilarious. I understood it. I got it. I felt it better. So I'd go back and watch some of these shows um, and they were great. The episode you just saw about the parrot that ceases to exist is just hilarious. I mean, it's a, it's a great bit that goes on there. And um, there, there's a lot of these types of bits that if you really now get to know the actors a little bit better, um, knowing Cleese, I think, as most people do, and seeing movies like you were mentioning, Rat Race, Fish Called Wanda, there's been a lot of movies that really bring in a lot of those same kind of guys, and they do that same kind of humor, but um, I think it's their ability to really kind of sell it to the American uh, crowd as well, because it is a different thing for what that humor means and, and, and feels like in in Britain than it does here. And I, I, I'm not saying that as I really know how they look at it, but I'm just saying as it sold to us when we would look at all of the shows that was that were coming out versus the kind of stuff that, that we were doing. So for me, I don't think I was old enough to get it at that time. So it wasn't really a, a big fit, but I did like watching stuff that was funny or pretty hot, even though they were odd braziers back then. They were still hot yeah. for back then, yeah. I guess. Cause Probably just super shirts. very hot, not very breathable. Probably, you know, it really didn't yeah. matter back. You're right. Yeah. Didn't it's a lot of polyester going on, yeah. I think. Well, this particular sketch comedy show, uh, oddly enough, is uh, a show that myself and Ken are actually older than. Did that have to go in there? Because the writing is getting. I know. Oh, my bad. Um, yeah, so Seriously. we are in fact older than than uh, SNL. You know, not by a lot, but by a little bit. Mm. Anywho, uh, thanks. <laughs> Appreciate that tidbit. Yes, for for any of you folks out there in America who are not particularly uh, well versed with the uh, the uh, SNL cast, uh, we had John Belushi, Gilda Radner, Garrett Morris, Jane Curtin, Dan Aykroyd, Chevy Chase. George Co., Lorraine Newman, and Michael O'Donohue for the first season. Uh, I believe the second season was when Bill Murray came into the fold. Um, and uh, obviously, yeah, and uh, I think Chevy Chase was there from day one. But, oh, okay. but you know, we're talking about legends, obviously. Gilda Radner, rest, rest in peace. The, the, you know, one of the very first cancer 
deaths I think I right. remember hearing about, and then the subsequent, um, uh, you know, uh, fight against cancer, you know, having people contribute with, with which Gene Wilder, uh, you know, her husband just put on for so long. So it was an amazing show that it was a very much a very family oriented thing. It went on through the years. It went it went through a lot of crazy changes. Uh, I'm going to go ahead. I, I think I have it here. This is the cast of SNL th in, in, in the, I believe, 84, 85. You might remember you might see some names here. Uh, yeah, that's Anthony Michael Hall there, Robert Downey Jr., uh, Jane Cusack, Joan Cusack, sorry. Uh, it was it was a it was crazy the amount of stars that came in and out. And that was actually consequently the unfunniest freaking cast ever. The yeah. worst SNL season when I believe that was the one year where um, where our uh, what's his name who's the who's the leader of the whole thing uh, was gone for one year. Um, and somebody else took over as the as the president of, of, of the network or and the show leader. And it was just the worst. But throughout the years, he gave us so many amazing comedians, obviously going through the 90s, Will Ferrell and a bunch of amazing people. SNL is by far one of the greatest sketch comedy shows ever. And, and, and even throughout, I'd say, seven of its years that have probably been horrible. They're all still amazing, I think, in some way. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, I do feel, though, that, you know, when... SNL doesn't have it, they don't have it, and they lose a lot of viewers. And it's tough because, like I said at the beginning of the show, this comedy is so subjective that what some people think are funny, uh, other people aren't. And and that could change with people's ages or what the topics are, whatever it may be. But um, a lot of times it takes having crazy stuff happening in the world for SNL to be funny, as we saw you know, through the last four years of uh, Trump's presidency. You know, if they have somebody that they can make fun of, then boom, that's great. They're they're throwing at, you know, their, their yeah. stuff at it as they can. But, um, you know, when there's not stuff really happening other than Weekend Update, you know, to me, I, I've gone through that show and just been unimpressed, you know, and I'm, I, I love Weekend Updates. So I'll always watch that. But short of that, I don't know, you know, it's, it's kind of hit or miss. It certainly has been lately. Uh, but back in the day, I mean, Eddie Murphy obviously saved the show, and he was hilarious. <laughs> You'd watch every week just to see what Eddie was doing. So, yeah. you know, it, it took certain characters. And, and honestly, when uh, Belushi was there, um, originally John Belushi, and, and at the first seasons with Chevy Chase, I've looked back at those shows, mm -hmm. and they're, they're great. But at the time, again, a little younger, didn't quite get it, wasn't, wasn't my thing. But... Um, I don't know. It's hit or miss for Saturday Night Live. That's that's what it seems to be still today. But it's still running. It's still going. And uh, you, you got to give it to them. You know, it's uh, it's it's really we're older than it. That's yeah, we that's are older than SNL, no doubt. And again, yeah. you can go back, and I can say the first couple of seasons are actually pretty. You know, not great. They're not the, the comedy doesn't hold up because, like you said, it's very of the time comedy. They try right. not to stray too far, other than some things that sort of transcend time uh, and and genres. They can deep and they can dig into those, but yeah, they really are sort of like time capsules, which is sort of cool. You can look back on all of them and 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 look at the particular time and be like, oh, I remember this, you know, this particular time. Phil Hartman being, you know, Bill Clinton, and there's a lot of great memories you can look back and sort of timestamp on. But you know, SNL did have some bad seasons, that's for sure, and they do they struggle for a lot of content. I like Michael Che and Colin Jost as the Weekend Update this year. They're they're pretty witty, um, pretty good stuff, man, and. Uh, Again, it it all it's all it, it all started somewhere. Just like you know, the comedians and on this particular amazing sketch comedy series. 
Take off, you hosers. This is awesome, man. Canadian sketch comedy. Absolute hilariousness with SCTV. I mean, I, I, I was... I had forgotten a lot about the show until until Bob mentioned it uh, pre-show, and I was so excited to be able to to talk about it and and my memories of this show because <laughs> you're talking John Candy, Eugene Levy, you've got Rick Moranis and Dave Thomas, which are hilarious. The Great White North Report, um, just absolutely. To me, at that young age, I love those guys. Just talking to those hoosers and the, the, just the silliness that they talked is, you know, their little Canadian slang and all. And it was just all about beer drinking and, and, and fishing and just, you know, it, it was hilarious to me. As a kid, I thought they were so funny. It was very simple. Um, it was very simple comedy, <laughs> believe it or not. But I think that kind of comedy worked because... With adults, they could look at that and appreciate it, but where kids could actually look at this and, and really laugh at this stuff as well. Um, to this day, I mean, these, there's legends here. You know, Eugene Levy is still absolutely one of my favorites. I mean, he's such an incredible actor, and a lot of what he's able to do uh, without a script is what makes him even more incredible. Um, there's movies he's done where there literally was a loose or, or no script whatsoever. And, and that's the kind of guy that he is the type of actor. He is incredibly intelligent actor, Eugene Levy. Yeah. They all did amazing stuff. I was a massive fan of Martin short. Uh, I think because of this show, obviously uh, characters like Ed Grimley, Jackie Rogers, Jr. Just some of the classic ones that he started doing were, 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 you know, by the time he had his special on HBO, I was already in love with most of the folks in SCTV. And we grew up watching John Candy, obviously. Later on, uh, Eugene Levy found some uh, rebirth in American Pie. And uh, these guys always found their way into a lot of our comedy, uh, besides John John Candy, obviously, rest in peace, who did, who did amazing stuff for years and years and years. But these guys were all just really wholesome comedians, and they didn't really need to get too crass. And, uh, you know, uh, comedians like Catherine O'Hara and, and uh, you know, Joe Flaherty, like we're saying, they were just they were insane. But they just you, they always felt like they were sort of confining themselves and they could blow up at any moment. But, you know, all the Second City stuff I remember watching, which I remember watching a lot of them was amazing and it always made me laugh. And it didn't really feel Canadian as a lot of shows that yes. were Canadian did. They very they they had a very, you know, public broadcasting feel to it where. Uh, SCTV really didn't, but it, it was definitely dated too. You can't watch it right now and be like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, right, right. it's pretty old shit, man. But Except it, for that it, great it, North report, eh? You knew where they were coming from. Yeah, and they obviously those skits went on to, to live in various forms. It was it's pretty amazing. So yep. you know, I, I I I have a lot of memories, a lot of great memories of that, and uh, I have a lot of great memories of this show. Actually, myself and Doctor Brian would run home from our bus in school to catch this sketch TV show. Good Lord, man. Holy cow. You can't do that on television, man. It, I, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't know what it was that drew oh. me to it when I, when You're I first saw it. You just said, I yeah. don't know. Where's the slime? Right. Our show can not afford slime? What happened? I thought don't, we had the slime you... ready. Don't even. Oh, guys, come yeah. on, man. He had coffee. He was going to get KTFO. Oh, that wasn't going to work. That's not going to work. Not going to work. You can't do it on God. television. Started the Sorry. career of Bob so many people. should be people. slimed right now. He should be covered in green right at this moment. All right, just pretend. Move on. Who do we Who do we have on? Uh, I, I remember uh, 
Kevin Kubitschewski in in the in the roles uh, over here to the right. We've got Alanis Morissette, Alanis obviously. Morissette. Yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Alistair, I believe. Uh, Farth. <laughs> Farth. I heard that. <laughs> oh my god, man! Like I don't, I don't know, man. There's just something about it, man. The show was crazy, and I guess because they did all this shit you couldn't do. It was just amazing. It was something that that I think you know. It was easy to it was easy to, to get a hold of as a kid. These the sketches of them coming out of the lockers and stuff like that. It was just mm -hmm. it was just weird, and and I liked it because it just seemed like honestly, it seemed like there was just a bunch of kids running around doing whatever the hell they wanted to do. And if you said I don't know, you would have slime poured all over you. It was very <laughs> very weird. It didn't make any sense, but I friggin' loved it, man. I did too. It was a really good show, geared obviously towards kids, but it was still done masterfully. It was written very, very well. The skits were set up very well to where they can do similar skits show after show, but obviously change the content to it. So for kids, obviously, they, that's perfect. That's what you know kids want to see. So like Bob said, we'd run home to watch it because we'd want to see what was going to happen with the newest show or the newest skit. Uh, that they were going to do. And it was all about kids running around being crazy, doing silly stuff. There were very few adults. And when there were, they were silly as well. So Barth, the chef, I mean, this, this disgusting stained creature that would supposedly be in charge of making <laughs> food for everybody. Uh, we actually had a diner nearby here where we, we have looked and seen inside the kitchen and we have a Barth in that in that in that uh, diner so yeah we haven't eaten there since but it was uh it was interesting it was interesting the barth is an interesting creature but that show was spectacular and it had a lot to do but with the with the way it was put together it really was yeah. it was put together great they have being able to get child actors to sell that kind of stuff and to play into that kind of stuff is also very impressive so although i don't other than alanis morissette know the names of any of them i'm very impressed they did a great job mm -hmm. i bought into their characters all the time and absolutely love that show as well, which fit right into the time frame of you know of our youth. So that's why that show was was perfect for folks in uh, their what are we now our late twenties, I think. Yeah, yeah, we're just around that. I remember Kevin Kubachevsky. I remember uh, Alistair, Christine, yeah. uh, but that's pretty much it, man. And I remember yeah. just a few scenarios, but that's it. But again, yeah. we've run home to watch it because it was just you know it was it was insanity, man. It really these it shows. Not only did they sort of shape sketch comedy moving forward, they shaped my view of comedy and how it's approached, and the and, and sort of broke the barriers of all of it. Which, which you know, shows like this made you say, you can you know, you can't do that on television. Well, you know what? They're gonna try it because they're Canadian, you know, and, and you know, we're sorry, but we're gonna make you laugh, eh? And, yep. and that's kind of exactly what happened. Uh, and Nickel and Nickelodeon Canada, was cool with it. They were totally cool with it, man. Right. Uh, that it was. It started. Uh, the 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 new wave of Canadian comedy, I guess, is what we could call that one, uh, and it went on to uh, push these kings of the new wave of comedian uh, Canadian comedy uh, to new heights. I'm gonna do it. Dare ding, dare ding, dare ding, da ding, 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 ding. Yeah. So I don't care. My attorneys, their attorneys here, they're a pain in the ass, dude. I don't care. It was this was a great show. Um, you know, I, I I remember being a little lost on some of them, especially some of the overtly gay humor that Scott Thompson would drive home. But a lot of them would drive home because even though obviously Scott Thompson was always very very gay. 
and, and would show it in a lot of sketches. He didn't always do that in the comedy. It was in the, the beautiful thing was, is it didn't show uh, homosexual comedians as just being, you know, super gay the entire time or whatever that, whatever that 70s, 80s definition of gay was, which was flamboyant sort of Charles Nelson Riley. Uh, but these guys did some amazing stuff. The, the cross-dressing was off the chart just simply because they just nailed it. But, uh, you know, they had sketches like, uh, you know, I'm crushing your head, uh, which is just something that just goes on forever and ever. It's amazing stuff. Uh, Cabbage Head, not sure if anybody remembers Cabbage Head guy, Cabbage Head man. Uh, you know, Coasting on Charm as a doctor. That's one of my favorite ones right there where he goes on to say that he's not even really a doctor and he just had to tell somebody that his, his parents died. And it's a really, really hilarious take on someone just sort of breaking into a hospital and pretending they're a surgeon. Um, but there was just something about this show. Uh, I, I think it was just sort of on at the right time. The intro was very indie college rock, which I was sort of into too at the time. Like, uh, I, um, I forgot the name of that, the band that did them, that, that intro, but they got very popular because of it. Uh, but it was just an amazing show, man. And, and uh, you know, these guys went on to do uh, a lot of stuff, obviously. But if you don't know who they are, Kevin McDonald, Scott Thompson, Bruce McCulloch, Dave Foley, Mark McKinney, and you can't forget Paul Bellini, the man with the big belly that you were allowed to touch every once in a while. <laughs> this show, absolutely hilarious. I mean, it, it was uh, another show just timed perfectly for our age group. Uh, yeah. But I do agree there was some humor that not because, you know, they were any older or different, we were any younger, but they were just very intelligent. So there there was some, when, 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 when Bob says the humor went over the, our heads, it's just because we weren't smart enough to get it. But but at the same time, there was also uh, humor that introduced a lot of uh, different subcultures to America that were becoming more part of the mainstream. And that was something new in the type of shows that we were watching. And it drew me to them. I, I loved it. I loved the way that they were able to introduce and, and, and kind of utilize their their platform in a way to, to kind of just show them how, <laughs> show everybody how this is just about humor and this is just about comedy. And we can laugh at ourselves, we can laugh at other people, we can laugh at each other. This is what it should be about. And, and that show did it in spades and just everything that it did. And it did push envelopes too. There was a lot of controversy around some of the episodes and some of the things that were said, the way that they portrayed certain people um, in, in the news at the time who they were darn well portraying, but they would obviously say they weren't. Um, and you can do what you want with that kind of comedy, depending on exactly what you say and how you do it. So they pushed the envelope a lot. And I think that's what also drew me to the show. It was edgy um, and, the, and the humor, when I did get it, was absolutely hilarious and, and spot on as well. So, so great, great, great show, Kids in the Hall, absolutely. Yeah, I feel like America was sort of the last country to be okay with Yes. <laughs> uh, gay, gay content and humor where every other country was like, yeah, he's obviously oh, gay, yeah. but who doesn't really care, dude? Like they're, they're right. fucking hilarious, man. Like right. it'd be different if you were just up there uh, representing gay people and just being really stupid. You know what I mean? But this, <laughs> that's not what they were doing, man. They not did some all. amazing stuff, man. Uh, very groundbreaking. And again, I think that show in particular uh, did things for sketch comedy that not a lot of other shows did simply because they were allowed to do what they want. And I think Canadian broadcasting helped American broadcasting in a lot of ways because of that, because they were just said, you know, they were just like, go ahead and do what you want. It doesn't really matter, man. Just cable um, broadcasting in general. And, all, you know, knowing that we grew up with three stations, you know, and, and to go from that to where we are today, uh, just obviously gave a platform for so many more 
just to be able to, you know, get shows on, on, you know, channels like Nickelodeon and Cartoon Network and then Discovery, all these other places that are now showing different types of TV shows even today. Uh, back then, that was just beginning, but there was that platform for them. I mean, come on, it's 2021 and there's a platform for us too, Schmoes. So it's like <laughs> there's platforms for everyone now, man. <laughs> yep, no doubt, man. <clears throat> and again, a lot of these were important and uh, this show definitely was important. There's that was a, a fly guy. Yeah. <laughs> in living color. What do you, what what do you know about in living color, Ken Man? I mean, there was a lot to this. I mean, this was uh, a show that just brought some great comics um, that I already appreciated in, in the Waynes Brothers and showed us a lot of introduction to some different types of sketch comedy uh, that would kind of just give you uh, another edgy look, but absolutely humorous i mean the the comedy was just one after another in these skits and the the first they, the thing with this show i thought is that they hit it from the ground running um literally uh that that show was funny from sketch one day one and they built on it so well um that the the best part about that show would be like we were talking about earlier when these actors were able to make the other ones laugh because these guys were really good. And when you knew it was funny when one of these guys even just kind of cracked a smile on stage because they were really trying to keep it together and always keep it real. But um, man, <laughs> Living Color was absolutely spectacular, spectacular show. The skits were great. They were able to utilize a lot of the same stuff over again, uh, just again, changing content and, mm -hmm. and they kept it fresh. They kept it funny all the time. I thought that as, uh, for a while in that show. I mean, there was a time, obviously, it panned out, and that's because these guys leave, and when it's not funny anymore, it's because the people that there are there are just not funny, and the writing has just gone to crap, like any sketch yeah. show. But but when it was right, this show was as good as it gets in sketch comedy. Yeah, groundbreaking stuff, man. Amazing stuff. Um, obviously, Jim Carrey, Keenan Ivory Wayans, David Allen Greer, Tommy Davidson, Damon Wayans, Kim Wayans, Jamie Foxx, Sean Wayans, Kelly Cofield, and Marlon Wayans. I'm not sure if you heard the Wayans name a few times there or not. <laughs> it was a family affair with the Wayans, and they were all friggin' hilarious. Yes. And they are still, They're still hilarious. <laughs> Damon Wayans Jr. is amazing, dude. They're, they're, the family line is hilarious up and down the board. Uh, obviously, there was some stuff. There was some stuff that was amazing. Hi there, Vera DeMilo, <laughs> baby. I mean, just just being able to see that. That's just amazing. For real though, hi. <laughs> Shit, I'm ready to go. Oh, yeah, There's just something something about that that stuff, man. Jamie Foxx, um, you know, you just knew they were going to be big stars. They were already big stars at that time within that show. Yeah. But obviously they went on to blow up and do amazing shit, man. I mean, I'm yes. very, very proud of the time that we have grown up in. All right. the stuff we've been covering the last couple of weeks, sitcoms and stuff like that, leading up to what we're doing now. It's insane, man, how much amazing comedy we've been exposed to, man, and in and, and different ways and different kinds, man. It's, it's We're quite lucky. We're very lucky. Obviously, Homie the Clown, let me tell you something. Fire Marshall Bell. That guy, that was just some, some amazing stuff. It was one of, it was one of the uh, um, impressions I was able to do pretty well. 
So it usually killed at parties when people were drunk. Uh, and, and, and now people are like, who is that? Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, that guy, whoever's doing the stupid voices with the pictures in the front is really killing the show. But yeah, In Living Color was groundbreaking, uh, broke a lot of racial barriers. Uh, it was very important for the time. Uh, the reason why we are able to rest calm and do what we do comedically is because of a show like In Living Color. Right. Um, and they just they went on to do a lot of stuff in the future. Um, and speaking of which, there's some shows, there's some comedy sketch comedy shows that spawn talent. Almost 90 percent go on to do amazing things. And I am a personal fanatic of this particular comedy troupe that was a very short lived comedy troupe on MTV. And uh, let's check them out. So when I go back, or, or even right now, if I'm going to mention some, oh, some of the great comedy shows, The State. Did you ever watch The State? No. No. How the hell have you not seen The State? Well, I guarantee you've seen some of the people that were involved in The State. I'm going to ring off a few names for you. Michael Ian Black, Carrie Kenny Silver, Thomas Lennon, Michael Showalter, Robert Ben Garant, Ken Marino, Joe Latrulio, Kevin Allison, David Wayne. Michael Patrick Jan and Todd Hollebeck. These folks went on to do amazing things and are pretty much running the comedic scene in Hollywood right now. Um, Ken Marino, let's see. Uh, I know for a fact uh, Tom Lennon, Ben Garant, those guys went on to do Reno 911, uh, and that turned into Viva Variety at one point. Um, you know, uh, I Love You Man, done by David Wayne. David Wayne's done a million things. Ken Marino's done a million amazing things, uh, like Party Down, all kinds of stuff. These guys went on to do some great things. Important sketches like, I'm going to dip my balls in it, which was one of those things that was made to sort of test the censors, where the censors weren't allowed. They would censor you if you used balls in the term of testicle, but if you held golf balls in your hand, you could get around it. So they were doing all sorts of weird shit on that show to sort of test the censors. Uh, shows like Doug, like, hey, you're dad and I'm Doug and I'm out of here. You know, like just weird, weird shit. I loved it, man. They did a lot of killer stuff, man. Um, I can't say enough uh, of amazing things about the state, man. They're one of those uh, short-lived shows that, that just blew the hell up. This show, absolutely hilarious. I was surprised more people didn't watch this show. But at the same time, um, I get it because I understood where some people are at with uh, understanding this kind of humor. Because this is another humor that's very intelligent and very difficult to do. But it can come off as being very simple. And sometimes people look at that as just being dumb humor. And they're just gonna they're gonna push it aside. They're not gonna find any humor to that. It's just oh, that's trash humor. It's toilet humor. But this is not that. It's really this is the, the kind of thought that goes into making the type of skits that the state did. Really, really is comedic genius. But at the same time, it's something that is gonna come across differently with different folks, including myself. Um, I know when I watched that show. There were episodes like Gam, my cheeks hurt, just absolutely hilarious. And just thinking of some of this stuff right now while, while Bob was talking, I was just cracking up just thinking about it because it's that good. It's, it's really, really, really funny because the guys that are doing it are hilarious. They sell it incredibly. Whether you like what they're trying to sell or not, they do. And you, you, you'll buy into the skit quick, but it's just whether or not you like 
the topic of that skit or what they're really trying to get at, or even of course, what the, what the, what the punchline is and the whole joke of what they're doing, or even if there is one, cause sometimes they'll just leave it kind of up to you, which is neat as well. But that type of humor back to the beginning, when I mentioned very subjective, certain people just kind of poo pooed that and just washed it away. And I feel like that was part of why this show didn't get the type of ratings that I thought it deserved. And certainly as Bob mentioned, where a lot of these actors went on to do, you could tell, I mean, they, they've had it. It was there. Uh, that show just didn't hit uh, the way it needed to, I guess, as far as ratings go. Yeah, I mean, as of right now, Joe Latrulio is uh, on, on um, a, a boil on uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, an amazing, just an amazing show. Obviously, David Wayne's out there doing a million things. Ken Marino's involved in pretty much everything David Wayne's doing. Uh, just, just really great stuff. And again, Wanderlust is one of my all-time favorite movies. It's an amazing, amazing movie. They're all over that, uh, and they just—they've just done some amazing stuff. It's, it's, it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard not to fall in love with what they did. And also the fact that my wife and I are huge fans of a show that is now gone called At Midnight, which uh, Chris Hardwick used to host, and he actually had all of them back on one night because Thomas Lennon is actually the producer of that show, At Midnight. So basically, he got all of them to come back on and and do a little uh, do a little reunion. At Midnight was a very important show. At Midnight broke a lot of comedians, and for some reason, it wound up getting canceled. And then someone tried to cancel Chris Hardway, so a bunch of weird shit from that. But mm -hmm. uh, the state again, they just went on to spawn so much talent uh, and so much amazing stuff. Uh, so I've got a lot of great a lot of great memories of the state too. Um, well, we got some, we got some time left. Uh, we got a couple more shows we're going to cover. This one, I think, very underrated. I am a massive fan of this in direct competition with the show we are older than. Ken, man, any any memories of of Mad TV for you at all? I, I think I think. It's split. I think it's split for like, you know, are you either Mad TV or SNL? But it didn't need to be that way, I don't think. Well, that was the unfortunate, uh, I think, ultimately even demise of Mad TV is that it had to go up against SNL. And, and that, that kind of made it difficult So um, for that show because people were having to choose. But I always liked the show. I, I thought it offered something different. It was fresh. It was new. But it just, to me, wasn't uh, it. It didn't have the staying power, whether it was because of the actors on the show or um, the fact that some of the skits to me were just very kind of dry and dull and just wouldn't lead to really kind of anything that just I got excited over. There were plenty of good acts and, or plenty of good skits in the show overall and plenty that are still talked about today. So they hit on some big ones, but I feel there were more misses with, with Matt, unfortunately. I think that I think a lot of people would probably agree with that. Um, you know, it did. It went from ninety four to two thousand. Well, actually, kind of. I guess it did run to two thousand sixteen, but it, it was sort of dead between all that. But regardless, it started off with some amazing talent. And again, these folks turned into some great stand up comedians, and 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 uh, and you know, wound up being part of like the Mad TV alumni, if you will, being part of the first one. But from left to right. David Herman, Nicole Sullivan, Phil Lamar, who does every voiceover you've you've heard in your entire life, I guarantee you. Uh, Deborah Wilson, Artie Lang, Orlando Jones, Mary Shear, and Brian Callen. All of these folks you know very well. They're still very active in comedy. 
the guy on the far left uh, was made very famous uh, from Office Space. I'm sure a lot of people might recognize his face. But they went on to do have some amazing cast as well. Michael McDonald in the dead center. Uh, on the very bottom, Keegan-Michael Key uh, and Jordan Peele, who's not pictured. Ike Barinholtz down there on the bottom right. Bobby Lee on the top right. Uh, just uh, Frank Caliendo, Aries Spears. These guys are amazing, and I've I, I've I've loved all of their sketches. Uh, they produced um, uh, um, Alex Borstein, who's obviously gone on to be, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lois Griffin on uh, Family Guy. Just amazing stuff. There's just talent that came from this show, and if you listen to a lot of what they had to say, it really had. I think a lot of them felt like they were. Uh, sort of constrained, and if you weren't loved on that show, your sketches didn't get on. There was always sort of that sketch comedy uh, battle to get your sketches on, and it happened with SNL too. A lot of people do not have great uh, great memories of SNL because of that, but uh, this was one of those shows that was like that too, but they just sort of allowed everyone to do whatever they wanted. Uh, Will Sasso, some of my favorite stuff is done by Will Sasso, Ike Barinholtz, and these guys. I love Mad TV as much as I love SNL, man. Yeah, I don't think I could say the same for Mad TV, to be honest with you. I, yeah. I, I would definitely say SNL is, is the winner with that one. But there was a time where I think SNL just, you know, it was everybody needed a break. So and Mad TV definitely gave you that and gave you a different option. And from time to time was was absolutely hilarious. But it just wasn't consistent enough for me. Well, what was consistent was the greatest sketch comedy show of all time. Can you let me do that? All right. We got away with that, I guess. Uh, Chappelle Show, man. Talk about it. Uh, my favorite. The, this show, I mean, <laughs> every skit hit. I mean, how is that even possible? But every skit hit. It just yeah, was in, it's incredible what he was able to do, what, what he was able to put together um, with these skits. Now, you know, this is a different setup when he does this kind of stuff that's not live skits. So in, 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 in a way, you know, these are things that he comes up with and he puts together, but that he does. So as some of the lives, some of the stuff is is recorded. So, you know, when you look at the show, you, you, got, you can't always categorize it. Maybe if you're putting something against another this way, but it's the way it doesn't matter because this show hits on every skit. Everyone is funny. Every character is hilarious. He is spectacular, yep. Dave Chappelle, what he does with this show. The people he brings onto the show are amazing. The musical talent that he brings onto the show is amazing. The, it just, it, you want to watch every show. I haven't missed a show. I've, I've seen every one. And it's, it's a great show. That means it's, I, we can go on talking about the different skits. The, the, the whites are hilarious. The, there's things that you want to talk about doing stuff or saying things or crossing a border or going too far. You know, this is going to happen. He's going to push every last envelope as far as he can push it. He's going to do anything he can do to make sure that whoever is in charge of what's allowed to go on TV is up all night trying to figure out whether or not they need to censor this guy or not and the show or not and what's being said. It's a lot of the innuendos, though. It's not that he just comes out and starts cursing. It's the yeah. ability to put this humor together in such a way that you're selling something that's happening in front of you without it actually being said. It's absolute genius. You want to talk about comedic genius? Right here, Dave Chappelle. He's at the pinnacle of it. And the man surpassed 
anybody who's able to write and do and put together sketches with this show. He proved that nobody alive is better. I, I haven't seen it. So to this day, <laughs> this is the guy that puts together the right skits. And just like I said, watch it. If you haven't, you're, you're living under a rock somewhere, but every skit hits, everyone. So I'm yeah, going to wrap it up. It. I'm going to wrap it up. I'm going to give it over to Bob. Wrap it up, B. I don't even have that uploaded right now. Out of all the most, the right. most primitive thing we've ever done, and I don't even have it anymore. I need to it's make like it It's like day one we used that thing. Dave Chappelle and Neil Brennan were amazing in this show. They both wrote most of this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, Charlie Murphy, obviously, rest in peace. Donnell Rawlings, uh, Paul Mooney involved, asked, ask a black, ask a black <laughs> man. Uh, Bill Burr, Wayne Brady. Does Wayne Brady have to smack a bitch? You know what I mean? Like it, it's 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 the sketches were amazing. The the black white supremacist is it has to be one of the greatest the of blind. all time. I've yeah sorry yeah the black the black blind white supremacist. It it's just I don't I don't know I don't know how you come up with that. And I have been baked on levels that most people have not been able to understand. And I can't come up with that kind of comedy. Right. And I think you have to be. Uh, a black living through a bunch of stuff that lived Jave Chappelle lived through in a very different sort of very lifestyle true. to be able yes. to come up with those things. Right. And he crafted it and gave it to us on a silver platter. It's God right, bless man. Dave Chappelle, uh, the racial draft, um, just, just <laughs> hanging out with the little John. Yeah. Just, it's this, it's insane stuff, man. Um, there's just really nothing better, man. Oh man. But, I like, I agree. I mean, like I said, we could go and talk about the episodes all day long, but I don't, we're, we're, not, we're not going there with this show. But this is this is the king. This is absolutely the, what we talked about today. <laughs> this is the king. This is if you have to go back and look at anything, you you, you watch these shows because they're they're worth it. Uh, we've got some honorable mentions, you guys. If you want to throw some in the comments section, let us know what you thought we might have left off the list. We're going to throw a couple right at you right now. This show was actually created to have direct. Uh, competition on ABC with SNL. They tried so hard to make this a bite of Saturday Night Live, but it didn't work. But we've got some very familiar faces in there. Uh, we've obviously got um, um, uh, I keep wondering, I keep forgetting what Kramer's real name is. Michael Richards. Um, yeah, we've got. I mean, it's it's insane. They really didn't have a lot of funny stuff. I actually I remember I remember Fridays the most simply because they had Kiss on one night to do one song from Music from the Elder. Uh, which was really, really not great. Uh, but at the same time, um, you know, it, it was it was one of those shows that came on and actually and actually had some sort of comedic relevance, but didn't hang out too long. Benny Hill, come on, man! We're going to talk about bras. <laughs> yes, we're going to talk about bras. Yes. Anybody who came up, you could just. It's just amazing stuff. You can't talk about sketch shows without Benny Hill. And that's what oh I was God. referring to when I was referring to being able to watch Monty Python because I had already watched a shitload of Benny Hill, man. And right. uh, it was very, very tame compared to uh, Benny Hill. So uh, That's true. Yes. Inside Amy Schumer. Uh, uh, Amy Schumer, <laughs> sorry. Another great one, man. I don't know if you've ever seen any of her stuff, but uh, a lot of people you either love or hate her. We've, uh, we actually saw her leather special that was taped live in Denver. Uh, Jordana and I went and saw that. It was great. Uh, Key and Pill, who are Mad TV alum, uh, went on to do some great sketch comedy. They were also very hit and miss, too. Uh, I'm not sure if you recognize these guys. Yeah, Mr. Show with yeah. Bob Odenkirk and David David Cross. Uh, this show right here did some amazing stuff. Mm -hmm. Wild uh, Wicked Scepter, uh, some great shit. Portlandia, uh, you know, obviously Fred Armisen uh, spun off from SNL, but Portlandia went on to do some really quirky stuff. 
taking it all the way back to the sort of beginning with Rona Martin's laughing, uh, right. which I don't remember anything other than this. No. Goldie Hawn. Very, very, Goldie. very gorgeous young Goldie yeah. Hawn, um, which is which is pretty crazy. This is another one that doesn't get a lot of talk. Ben right. Stiller show, mm -hmm. by far one of my favorite. I own all of them on DVD. Jen Garofalo, Andy Dick, Bob Odenkirk, yep. Ben Stiller. They did amazing stuff. Uh, the uh, the old man, do it, do it, do it. Yeah, no, no, do it, do it, do it. That was actually a, a two skits from this particular show. They had another skit called Ask Manson. Bob Odenkirk does mm -hmm. an amazing, amazing, helpful Charles Manson on that one. Uh, if you haven't seen the Jesselnik Offensive you have to watch it. I don't know if you'll ever be able to watch the shark episode, but there's one that's been banned from television. Anthony Jeselnik is one of the greatest stand-up comedians alive. Super offensive and wonderful. Uh, speaking of which, so is Richard Pryor oh, from the Richard yes. Pryor Show. Um, we've got the Upright Citizens Brigade, uh, which you're going to obviously recognize Amy Poehler from. Some amazing stuff happening there. Uh, Tim and Eric, awesome show. Another great show. Tracy Allman show, which obviously spawned mm -hmm. The Simpsons. There's just been so much uh, that we were exposed to as young people growing up. And and uh, I don't know that they're the same, but uh, they were great when we were growing up, man. They definitely were. These shows, whether they were just shows that you would watch in passing and not really, like I said, understand some of the stuff because it was a little over your head. And what's neat about sketch comedy is that it's kind of it is kind of two part. You're watching what they're actually doing because they're trying to sell an action or 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 something that's happening within the sketch itself. It's not all about the background. It's really about the actor. And it's just to me, we, we, you've got to give a lot of credit to these actors, all of them, what they do up there. It is so difficult to do the kind of work that they do, and especially in live studio audience, live sketch comedy. And it's incredible to be able to watch them and just professionalism, um, and to be able to hold a character and to be able to keep from laughing or even cracking up or breaking character. Some of the guys are great at it, just absolute naturals, where others, you know, maybe not as much. But I give a lot of credit because I can understand how very, very difficult it is to to be in front of a camera, period. But definitely it's, it's to be able to try to make comedy work. That is very hard to do. It's extremely hard to do. It's actually something when you and I are hanging out, uh, we have absolutely no problem doing, but for some reason it just does not translate to this podcast, and I do not know why. Uh, we're going to make some steps, though, and take some steps in order to make that happen, though. Yes. Uh, some The future Humor. broadcasts are going to be a little bit different. We're going to kind of change the format up here, I believe, mm -hmm. and maybe sort of go in, into uh, something that I believe is maybe a little bit more mainstream, but uh, more, uh, more grabbable for everybody. Uh, and we appreciate everybody who has gone over to our YouTube page to go ahead and check that out. If you haven't done so, please go to YouTube, look up the Casually Serious podcast, and please join and subscribe over there. If you haven't done so on Facebook, please do it over there. Um, we had a great time bringing all this sketch comedy stuff. The last three weeks, we did 780s and 90s uh, sitcoms for you. Uh, but like I said, I think we're going to switch it up here in the coming weeks. We might take a week off and start uh, messing with the format. Not sure. Uh, we might spring it on you. But uh, we've got some very, very loyal friends that have been hanging out since day one. And I just wanted to say hello to everybody who came out tonight. Bobby Mack, thank you so much. Uh, Tammy Mannheimer come, coming out, hanging out as always. The producer, art director uh, coming out and hanging out with us. Uh, Eric Bisson, as always. Go Cowboys, baby. Good to see you. Thanks for coming and hanging out tonight. This guy, Jay Bede I don't even know. Uh, Jay, thank you so much for coming and hanging out, my brother. Love you like a brother because you are a brother. And uh, Jordan, Jordana, Jordan, Jordania. Can I, call you, can I call you Jor? 
Uh, never mind. She loves Key and Peele. We do love Key and Peele. My wife and I, we love Key and Peele. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with us. Thank um, you, guys. Yeah, we're loving this so much. We're going to try and figure out some really cutting-edge, awesome stuff to try and change the show and switch it up for you guys. Uh, so anything you got to say before we get the hell on out of here, my friend? Now, again, uh, just like Bob said, I appreciate you guys being here and checking us out. We are going to try to do things a little bit differently and just change it up a little bit. Try uh, see if we can appeal to some uh, so, some folks that, uh, you know, maybe wouldn't necessarily check us out. We're going to kind of just grab them and say, just watch us, okay? And then we'll see where that goes. But we won't physically accost anybody. Yet. As Ryan Reynolds said in Waiting, do you have a problem with full frontal male nudity? <laughs> uh, yes, we got all. It might not of come to that. Yeah, yeah, it might not know. come to that. Just you should know. hope not. Yeah. Anyway, guys, thanks so much for coming and hanging out with us tonight on the Casually Serious Podcast, the Sketch Comedy Showcase. Uh, we thank you for hanging out with us the whole entire time you have done so. We're going to go ahead and play the outro, and we're going to get the hell out of here. Uh, so we'll see you next time, ladies and gentlemen, on TCSP. From the 305 to the 303. Listen, you're a freaking intern. This is the problem. You know, I told you, you don't do the freaking cut scene. You don't do the intro at the end of the show. Do you know what I mean? You don't do that. That's the problem. God, you know, we don't pay you. There's a reason we don't freaking pay you. <laughs>